Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. Well, table family, how are we? Um, hey, I just want to take a moment. Can we give a huge round of applause to the band just one more time? Man, that was incredible. Incredible. May Jesus be enthroned tonight. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, like Isaac said, my name is David. Uh, I have the privilege of serving on the missions team here at First Orlando, and uh, if you have a heart for missions, I'll be in the Connection Lounge afterwards. I would love to connect with you. Um, I give leadership to a lot of our local initiatives, and if that's kind of your thing, that's your turf, I'd love to meet you. So I'll be in the Connection Lounge afterwards, but a few other things you should know about me. Uh, I am married to my beautiful wife, uh, Sammy. She's in the back. Shout out, Sam. Um, we've been married uh, for almost two years now, coming up on June. Um, no babies yet. No babies yet. Uh, but here's the thing. We do love this new character called Baby Yoda. Any, any Star Wars fans in the room? Okay, all of y'all are Christians, so thanks for uh, loving Star Wars. But um, uh, this is for free, y'all. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. My wife got me this shirt that says Tatooine on it for Valentine's Day. Um, so here's the point. If you marry well, you get cool Star Wars swag. All right, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, that's totally unrelated to what we're talking about tonight. But um, on a deeper level, here's the thing you should know about me. I struggle with anger. Any of y'all angry tonight? Okay, cool. I'm not alone here. I see you, Andrea, in the back. You know, you know how we roll. Um, I struggle with anger. And here's what I've realized, that I manage anger in one of two ways, aggression or suppression. Now, I inherited this pattern because growing up, I've been a part of two cultures, sports culture and church culture. So let me show you how this looks. I grew up playing baseball since I was like itty-bitty, four years old. You know, my pants were like down to here, like past my cleats, like that was DB. Um, I had a chance to go play in college. Um, went up to Missouri to play, and I remember there would be times where I'd come up to hit, and I'd be in the batter's box, and I'd be ready to go, and I'd hear my coach say something like this, Branch, get mad at the ball, let's go. And it'd like freak me out, but like, okay, I gotta be aggressive here, like, and get ready to hit, and it'd kind of throw me off. See, I wanted to be a great baseball player, and it seemed like the script that was being uh, brought to me was that if you want something in life, you have to be aggressive in order to get it. Now, the other thing I learned was suppression. And I learned this in church world. If you grew up in church world, maybe you know this. Sometimes uh, people will say this, good Christians never get angry. That relate to anybody? Okay, I see a few hands. My ultimate aim in life uh, is to be good. It's just kind of my wiring. So when I hear people in authority tell me, Good Christians never get angry. When I'm angry, I suppress it, and I hide it, and I lock away the key, never address it, like throw it, dig it on my baseball field that I grew up on, and never touch it again. That's been my experience with anger. And it's led me to have this disintegrated, underdeveloped relationship with anger, this tension between aggression 
and suppression I've felt for most of my life. Lately, over the past few years, um, I've had a few people come into my life and really challenge me and invite me to consider that angry may, anger may uh, not be as bad as you think it is when channeled correctly. And so I've been asking this question to myself, how do we deal with anger? Maybe you're asking the same question tonight. Maybe you're angry tonight. Maybe you've been angry this week. Maybe you've been angry your whole life. Maybe you come from a broken home where uh, maybe your dad was abusive. Verbally and maybe even physically. Uh, maybe you're, you come from a divorced family and you've been angry and confused for most of your life. Maybe even angry at yourself. Wherever you're at tonight, um, I think Jesus has a much better option than aggression or suppression. And I think this option is found in Proverbs chapter 14, verses 29. We're going to look at one verse tonight. But before we flip there, can we, can we just kind of pray together and orient our heart towards kind of what Jesus may want to say to us? Cool. Let's pray, guys. Jesus, may you be enthroned tonight. God, help me to be helpful. Um, open my heart through what you're trying to teach me Open the eyes of all of us here tonight into what you're trying to get us to see about ourselves and help us to hear from you clearly. God, help us to deal with our anger. In your name we pray, amen. So one verse tonight uh, will be in Proverbs 14, verse 29. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen or maybe you have it all memorized because you're a varsity Christian. Um, <laughs> That's cool, but here's what it says. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So let's start with a definition. If you have a highlighter or a pen, go ahead and circle that word anger there. Here's how we're going to define anger tonight. Anger is love in motion towards a threat. Love in motion towards a threat. Here's what I mean by this. Anger at its core is love. Anger at its core is actually a good thing. Anger guards, anger protects, anger keeps what is most important to us safe. I was thinking about this idea that anger is love and I immediately thought of the greatest love story history has ever seen. The 1955 classic, Lady and the Tramp. Okay? Any of y'all seen Lady and the Tramp? Okay, are we, are we animated Lady and the Tramp or live action? Okay, that's the right answer. My Enneagram 1 heart is very happy with all of you right now. Um, there's this one scene in particular that illustrates this definition well. And maybe you already kind of know what it is, but I'm gonna show it on the screen here, and uh, let's check it out. Oh, 
So I bet y'all didn't know you're going to come talk about anger tonight and get to watch a Disney movie. Um, but here's what they illustrate, both Lady and the Tramp. Uh, they saw a threat that was coming against something that was really important to them, the baby. In that moment, they didn't shrink back and go, oh, I don't know about this. No. They, in love, moved towards the threat and got rid of it. And that is what anger looks like. Anger at its core is love. It's good. And that's what brings us to our first truth tonight. Notice with me, in the first half of verse 29, it says this, whoever is slow to anger has what? Great understanding. Here's the truth. Anger can become a virtue. Have y'all considered that? Anger can become a virtue. And here's what I mean by that. What this verse is actually doing is it's positioning anger as something that is actually something to be sought after. It's something that, if used appropriately and channeled appropriately, would actually reflect someone that's intelligent, that's wise, that's discerning, that sees the world as it actually is. Essentially, what this little section of this verse is saying is that sometimes it's good to be angry because anger is a virtue. And here's why all of this is true. Jesus gets angry. Jesus gets angry. There's a passage in the New Testament. um, Maybe you've you've read this before, but 
Jesus is rolling up with his disciples into the temple in Jerusalem. And he walks in and he sees all of these, basically this marketplace that's in front of him. People are selling things, uh, probably some like behind the scenes, like mom stuff is going on, you know, it's just not good. And Jesus gets angry, like this is his father's house. This is not how it should be. Notice he doesn't shrink back and is like, oh man, I'm concerned about what people will think of me. I'm concerned about keeping the peace. I don't want to offend people. No, the man braids a whip and goes and starts hitting people and he flips tables and he flips money bags. Jesus got angry. Have y'all ever wanted to flip a table before? Okay, it may not be wise to do that in public, just, but Jesus modeled for us that anger can become a virtue. But here's the thing, we're not Jesus, right? There's this tension that lies within anger that it can become a virtue, but oftentimes it can also become a vice. And oftentimes this is how it's presented in society, right? By its abuse. Check with me uh, the second half of verse 29. Here's what it says. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Let's focus in on that word folly there. Here's what this means. Sometimes we can become so angry that we lack good sense. And we do things that we never wanted to do and we say things we know we probably shouldn't say. I know I've been there. I'm sure maybe you have too. But here's the thing, uh, anger, when it becomes a vice, affects two primary things, our bodies and our relationships. Uh, anger, almost unmanaged anger, I should say, almost more than any other emotion leads to heart attacks, leads to heart disease, heart failure, stress, high blood pressure. Anger actually destroys our bodies. But it not only does that, it destroys our relationships. I'm sure y'all have known someone before that's just always angry and everywhere they go, there's just like this, like, like volcano erupting all around them. Anger has the potential to destroy communities, destroy churches, split families. Anger can also become a vice. But this tension we all have to navigate. I don't know if I've done the best job of it, and I was thinking about this idea that anger can be both a virtue and a vice. And I was thinking about uh, The Incredible Hulk. Any Marvel fans? Okay, cool. Then we got some Star Wars fans, some Marvel fans, some Disney fans. Like, y'all are a great group. Um, the Incredible Hulk actually models this well for us. The Hulk, in many ways, uh, uses anger as a virtue, but also as a vice. Think about it this way. In the first Avengers, right, he comes in right on time in the last battle scene. If you haven't seen Avengers, I'm going to spoil it, so, but you should probably go watch it. Uh, the, the Hulk comes in at the, at the very last minute and saves the day and protects New York. In love, he moved towards a threat. Y'all know the scene, right, where he rolls up on his bike, you know, his Bruce Banner, and Cap's like, oh, welcome, you showed up. And he gets off the bike, and he's like, Hulk smash, you know? But uh, what happens before that is the, uh, the Hulk says, Here's my secret, I'm always angry. Right, then he turns around and a huge like Thanos worm thing comes around the corner and he smashes it and just destroys it. 
That's anger acting as a virtue. He's protecting his city and his team and his people. But then you fast forward to the second Avengers movie, right? He wipes out Johannesburg, destroys it. Buildings collapse, people are hurt, hurts his boy Tony. It's a mess. See, the Hulk models for us. Anger can be both a virtue and a vice. Now, I tell you this illustration about the Hulk to illustrate this idea, but also to say this. Man, I relate to the Hulk a lot. A lot. You see, while I may not have the capacity to crush cities, I do have the capacity to crush souls through unmanaged anger. And lately I've been feeling, uh, I've been uh, reflecting on this tension between the virtue and vice of anger and, and I've just been on this journey of discovering what that might look like for me because I know myself and I know that in an instant I can go from protecting to destroying. But here's, I think, the Jesus option, the better solution. Check out verse 29 again. Look at the first half. Whoever is, what's the word? Slow. Slow. You see, the solution is, uh, Jesus offers us this solution that uh, the speed and intensity at which we get angry is the hinge upon which all of this depends. If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this. Table family, be slow to anger, but don't say no to anger. Be slow to anger, but don't say no to anger. Here's what this offers us. It offers us an opportunity to um, minimize aggression, but push away from suppression. It allows us to feel and lean into our feelings, because healthy Christians lean into their feelings, right? Anger is not excluded from that, because anger is both a virtue and a vice. Table, be slow to anger, but don't say no to anger. I was thinking about the best way to illustrate this, this big idea, and I'm gonna take you back to uh, college baseball in Missouri in 2015. Um, we were hitting uh, basically the halfway point of our season, and I was starting to get a little fatigued and a little tired, and it was affecting my performance. Um, and I just started getting frustrated with myself. I was so angry that I couldn't perform the way I wanted to because I wanted to be the best baseball player that I could be. One day I'm going up to bat, and I'm in a slump, and I'm just ready to get through it. I just get angry at myself. I'm like, all right, if I want to be successful, I have to be aggressive. And I get up, and I get up to, plat, get up to hit, and I strike out. And I walk back to the dugout, slamming my bat, Christian cussing the whole way back, right? <laughs> and I'm just so angry. I just had lost control of myself, my body, my emotions, and my play. In wisdom, uh, one of my coaches takes me aside, and he gives me kind of this sports axiom, if you will. He says this, slow is smooth, but smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, but smooth is fast. Now, you may have never heard that before. If you grew up in sports world, you've probably heard that. But here's what that did for me. It changed my mindset. 
No longer was I walking up to, uh, walking up to hit, like ready to go, like Hulk smash. This guy, I'm taking this guy deep. Let's roll. I walked up a little bit slower to the plate and took my time. Got into the batter's box, looked at the pitcher, was ready to hit. When I did strike out, when I did get out, I didn't suppress my anger. I acknowledged it, and I leaned into my feeling. I walked back to the dugout. I didn't stomp. I put my bat down. I put my batting gloves down. I put my helmet down. Took a breath, and I said this. I'm angry, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. See, my coach helped me realize, David, be slow to anger, but don't say no to anger. And it changed um, not just my baseball life, but my life. Now, you may be asking to yourself, okay, David, let's get a little practical now. Uh, how can I be slow to anger? And I think there's three things that we could all do starting tonight to help us practice slow anger. And the first is this. Own your anger. And the key word there is your you see, uh, some of us lean aggressive and some of us lean suppressive. A lot, there's a lot that goes into that. It's wiring, it's personality, it's experience, it's your story. Own your anger. I've heard anger illustrated this way. Some of us are flamethrowers, but then some of us are volcanoes. Okay, here's what I mean by this. Um, if you've seen in a movie before, someone like carrying a flamethrower and like a, you know, a bad guy comes to get them, they turn the thing and they just like pulverize them. Okay, some of us are like that, right? When a threat comes against us or someone we love or just something in general, we light our flamethrower on and we destroy them. We bulldoze and we get what we want and we use anger to accomplish it. Here's the other side. Some of us are volcanoes, right? Let's say you come home uh, to your apartment and your roommate has not done the dishes. Okay, you file that away. All right, you file that away. Like, okay. Then you come home the next day, and they still haven't done their dishes. You file it away. You're starting to get a little angry, but you know that good Christians don't get angry, so you let it simmer. Let it simmer. Then you come home five more times, and they haven't done their dishes. You file that away, right? And you let that simmer. Then you come home the sixth time and they haven't done their dishes, and as soon as they walk in the door, you yell at them, do your dishes, right? And you erupt on them like a volcano for, that's been dormant for a thousand years, and you erupt, and you explode, and you destroy relationships. Whatever your anger is, own it. Become aware of it, because here's the thing. Uh, what we name, we have power over. If you're a volcano, name it. I'm suppressive. I'm suppressive, and as I've been on kind of this journey of knowing, noting when I'm angry about something and trying to figure out why and trying to process it when before I just kind of suppressed it, kept it to myself. Maybe you're that or maybe you're a flamethrower. Whatever you are tonight, own your anger because it can be channeled for a lot of good, not just bad. Second, name your offenders. 
So what I mean by offenders is just simply the things that make us angry. And those things are different for all of us. For me, I hate being manipulated. Does anybody else testify? Okay, cool. I hate being manipulated. Let me give you a personal example. Uh, I'm gonna take you actually back to college. Man, college was like a formative experience for me. Um, I just realized like all my illustrations are from college. Um, so I'm, I'm in a dorm room with three other guys. There's four of us, okay? And already you're like, oh my gosh, so much testosterone. Um, uh, I come home one day from class and I walk into my room and I see a note on my pillow and it says this, David, do your dishes, period, from Sam, okay? So I go to my roommate Sam, he's, in the, uh, he's basically my roommate on the like, kind of duplex. I go, hey man, did you write this? He's like, oh, no, I didn't write that. I'm like, oh man, I'm starting to get a little angry. Who's lying to me? Who am I gonna go pulverize? Okay. Um, so then Sam tells me, David, you know what? I saw uh, our other roommate, Cody, walk into your room earlier today. I'd maybe ask him what this is about. So I wait on Cody to get back from class. In the meantime, I'm like plotting his demise. But <laughs> I go over to his room and I say, hey man, uh, what is this? And he says, oh, Sam wrote that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're lying. <laughs> and this is what I do. I take that note, I cross out my name, I write Cody, and I write from David, and I nail it to his door. I'm like, dude, that made me angry. Don't lie to me. Don't manipulate me. In that moment, I realized this is my offender. And many of you have, have things like that, man. Maybe it's Maybe it is being lied to. Maybe it's being controlled. Um, let's see. Uh, maybe you don't like being talked about. Maybe when people yell at you, it triggers something in you. Maybe when people are passive aggressive, you're like, oh, that gets me going. Maybe for you it's injustice. Maybe when people are trafficked all around the world. Maybe uh, racism gets you going, man. Uh, maybe when there's a lack of integrity in leaders. That's me. It's another one of my offenders. It drives you up a wall. Whatever it is, name it. Name it, because guess what? That could be the very thing that God uses for you to change your little corner in the world. Because remember, anger can become a virtue, right? Name your offenders. Third, here's the big one. Talk with Jesus before anyone else. Talk with Jesus before anyone else. And man, I am the worst at this. My wife will tell you. I am an external processor. Any other external processors in the room? Okay, Sophie, yeah. Um, all my internal processors are like, man, I talk to Jesus all the time. I don't need to listen to this. Uh, talk with Jesus before anyone else. Man, so often we get so angry about something and in the moment we just erupt on the people that are closest to us. When really, if we were to go talk to Jesus, he would help us relegate our anger to an appropriate level. Or, when we're angry with someone, maybe we suppress it, and then we go gossip, the G word, oh no. We go gossip. We go talk to everyone else before Jesus and before the person we're mad at. So I've been, I've been thinking about talking with Jesus about my anger. 
And lately there's been really three questions that I've been asking myself in my journaling time that I think may be helpful for us as we try to start processing our anger. First one is this, am I angry? Second, why am I angry? And third, what does Jesus want me to do about it? Here's the thing that this is, um, journaling through this has been really helpful for me, but it's also allowed me to begin processing my anger in real time. I've got my reps journaling through this and now it's kind of becoming like second nature to me. I'm trying to, I'm almost beginning to do it in my sleep, if you will. A great illustration, Uh, yesterday at work, something happened, it's no one's fault. But yesterday at work, something happened and it made me angry. Um, My boss uh, and I went over across the street to check it out and when we saw all that happened, um, I started to feel my shoulders tense up. My breath uh, got a little heavier. Uh, My sentences got shorter. And I asked myself, hold on, hold on. Am I angry? Yes, I'm angry. (laughs) Why am I angry? Internally, I I started thinking, well, I'm angry because X, Y, and Z happened. Well, then I had to check myself. Because what I was really doing, what I was really describing is what I was angry at, but not why I was angry. You see, I was angry because I was inconvenienced. Naming that why gives you so much clarity. And if you're like me, when you're angry, you struggle, sometimes struggle to name that why because you're so worked up. But that's, that's the core of this exercise is naming why you're angry. And the third question, what does Jesus want me to do about it? In that moment, this is what I felt and kind of experienced Jesus telling me, serve the moment in front of you. It's no one's fault. Be angry, don't say no to your anger, but be slow to anger. It's all gonna be okay. Serve the moment in front of you. So here's how I wanna close. Um, I I want us to do an exercise walking through these three questions, but I wanna set this up this way. Here's the thing that makes me most angry, is that things aren't as they should be. There's a passage in Revelation that speaks to this, and it's not gonna be on the screen, but I just wanna read it over you real quickly. Revelation 21, verses four and five. Here's what it says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, say it with me, behold, I'm making all things new. I mentioned that the things that make me most angry in this life are the things that should be this, but they're not. Here's what I think may be true. Some of y'all, you may have cried this past week. Some of y'all may have experienced pain. Some of you may be mourning something. Some of you may be experiencing brokenness and it's making you angry. Here's the truth 
that I want to speak over us tonight. Those things are one day going to become old news. Because here's the good news, that Jesus is making all things new. Jesus is making all things new. One day, he's going to wipe away every tear. We don't have to mourn anymore. We don't have to experience pain. Because guess what? The gospel changes things. But here's the thing. Jesus has invited us to participate in his grand redemptive plan to save man. And he may just want to ask you to participate in this plan through your anger. Anger can become a virtue. It's not something to push away and call it bad and evil. No, Jesus was angry. And he's angry today, but in love. Because he wants to protect what matters most, which is you and me. And each one of us are equipped with the Holy Spirit and the good news of the gospel. And Jesus just may be inviting you to step into your little corner of the world and change it through your anger. So we're going to take a moment and um, just, I'm going to pray us out, but I'd love for us to just have a minute to reflect on these three questions. Okay. Am I angry? Why am I angry? And here's the thing. What might Jesus want me to do about it? So we're going to take a minute. The band's going to pad for us. They'll start, uh, we're going to sing Be Enthroned again, which I'm so pumped for. We're going to give all just a moment to reflect and pause. And just be and process your anger so that it can be used as a virtue, not a vice. Let's pray, then we'll reflect. Jesus, may you be enthroned. Above all, God. Lord, one day you will make all things new. And Jesus, I just ask that you would help me and my friends here lean into their anger so that it can become a virtue that catalyzes your redemptive plan to save man. Thank you for the table. Thank you for a ministry, God, that prioritizes being over doing. Jesus, we love you. Help us to process our anger well in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take a moment, guys.